Make sure you check out our online store where we work with our graphic designer to create stunning garment and product designs that feature a wide variety of aircraft types such as British fighters, World War II aircraft, American bombers, Russian fighters and much more. You can pick your favourite designs and personalise any items within our Redbubble store that range from clothing right the way through to stationery. All of our designs feature our logo so you can show your support for the channel while getting a quality product. You can head to our website aircrewinterview.tv and click store or go to redbubble.com forward slash people forward slash AC interview. Thank you and enjoy. So Cabo, when did you first become interested in aviation? I honestly can't remember a time where I didn't want to fly jets. Um, it's uh, it's funny, I mean, from my very earliest childhood memories, I've always wanted to fly airplanes. Uh, nobody else in my family is into aviation. Um, and very few, like, you know, one or two cousins here and there were in the military uh, previously, but uh, they did kind of one assignment and then left. So nobody really was like a career military uh, person or aviator. And I honestly couldn't tell you what the first experience was that kind of was the catalyst for it. But um, like I said, I, I can't recall a time where I didn't want to fly jets. Hmm. So what actual, uh, what year did you actually join the U.S. Air Force? Uh, I started in the Air Force in 2004. And uh, that was by way of the Air Force Academy. So it's a four-year university. And uh, you basically go there, but you're also doing military stuff for four years. It's like West Point or the Naval Academy, if you're familiar with those. Hmm. Uh, but for the Air Force spe uh, specifically, I was there for four years. I actually did an exchange for six months in Spain at the Spanish Air Force Academy, and then oh. went back. Um, so a total of four years in school, and then uh, from there went to pilot training. Brilliant. So can you talk us through some of the aircraft you started training on? Absolutely. Uh, so the first airplane I flew in the Air Force was actually a glider, and uh, I flew that for about two and a half years at the Air Force Academy. Uh, they have a kind of a, a familiarization introductory flight program where you do 10, 10 flights in the glider and then you're uh, the hopes are that you sold the glider out at the end of that program um and knowing that I'd, you know i always wanted to fly airplanes it was kind of the path i wanted to pursue and absolutely fell in love with it uh glider flying is incredible um and then you know the air force academy is in colorado springs colorado so you have this amazing backdrop of you know these mountains um with the gliders it's very quiet you just hear the wind noise uh, it's just, it's stunning, you know, especially in the early morning and the late evening where you have those uh, amazing colors in the sky with the mountain backdrop. It's just, it's incredible. Um, so I started flying that. I did that for about two and a half years. I was teaching, uh, actually was an instructor pilot in the gliders um, for about two years. And, um, and then from there, I went on to fly the DA-20, which is kind of the introduction to powered flight uh, airplane the Air Force uses. And that's just mostly just to ensure that people have the capacity to fly airplanes. So before they invest, you know, millions of dollars in training you to become a pilot, they want to make sure that you have the basic, you know, aptitude to fly airplanes as well as the ability to learn and, and, and process things in the aviation kind of sphere. Uh, so flew that for about, uh, I think, two, you know, a month or two months, something like that. And then, um, and then from there, uh, went to pilot training, flew the T6 Texan II, which is a uh, single engine uh, turboprop airplane. And then flew the T-38 uh, C Talon. And then from there, went flew the F-15C for about four years uh, total. And then um, then went to the F-22 back in 2014. And I uh, was in Alaska flying that for about four and a half years. And now I'm here in Virginia with the uh, F-22 demonstration team. And uh, been loving it. It's been, I've been here for a little over two years now. And um, I mean, this is, the, this is the coolest job ever. It's awesome. Absolutely. Yeah, and we'll get onto that uh, in the interview. But yeah, did you have a type in mind when you were going through flying training that you wanted to be selected to go and fly? 
My dream airplane uh, from the towns I can remember was the Eagle. Um, I just I love the Eagle. Yeah. Um, and uh, when I was going through the the course, uh, the F-22s were very very infrequent in terms of when they were available. So uh, there weren't any available in my in my class, and um, and that's okay. You know, I, I got to fly the airplane that I've I always wanted to fly growing up. You know, the F-15 is like. If you like if you like cars, obviously in America, you know the 1970s muscle cars, you know Dodge Charger, Dodge Challenger. Like I look I look at the Eagle like that, where it's you know uh, it's got a manual gearbox. It's you know if you want to redline the RPMs, you can. Like it, you'll you can do anything you want to with that airplane, uh, and it's not going to stop you or limit you in any way. Um, so I, I look at that airplane in that capacity, where it's just there's an emotional connection that I've always wanted to fly that airplane, and I'm, I'm so thankful I got a chance to fly that and learn from a lot of incredibly experienced uh, Eagle drivers and, uh, and kind of learn the the methodology of how to become a good fighter pilot, as well as uh, having the opportunity to fly that airplane. That's, you know, obviously a historic airplane in terms of its success uh, in air to air combat. Absolutely. So can you talk us through some of your ground and flying training on the Eagle? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, the ground training started with academic and simulator flying um, in Oregon. So I went to, I basically went to an air national guard base, which, uh, your viewers may not be familiar with how the Air National Guard works into the uh, the greater context of the Air Force. Mm-hmm. The Air National Guard is mostly just state-funded. Um, it, it still has a combat mission um, as well, but it's uh, kind of nuanced in terms of who pays for the budget, essentially, right. uh, and how they're funded and sourced. But um, I went to a Guard squadron in Oregon and uh, spent probably about, I think it was about a month worth of uh, academics, maybe a month and a half worth of academics and simulators, and then you start off uh, in, in a two-seat version of the F-15, the F-15D. So you have an instructor pilot in the back seat, and they, you know, basically fly with you for the first couple of sorties. And then the rest of the program, you know, you pretty much do all by yourself in a single-seat uh, F-15. And then, and occasionally, when there's a new, when you're doing something brand new, something that's you know very high G, very complex, they'll put an instructor pilot in the back seat as like a, a safety observer, essentially, right. to make sure you're not doing anything crazy. Um, because it is, you know, dynamic and challenging, and uh, but that's kind of the program for the F-15 and, and how uh, how that progressed. And it took about six months or so, six seven months to finish that course. So our favorite subject on the channel and our viewers, um, they want to know about DACT. So how did the F-15 fan DACT against you know the types at the time? Yeah, uh, I mean uh, the Eagle is just an incredible air-to-air platform. So in terms of maneuverability, it's phenomenal. Uh, it's you know. Uh, I'll go back to the cars example. So if you're flying the Eagle, it's got great big wings, uh, similar to a ra- very similar to Raptor in that way. Big wings, it flies very high altitude. Um, so the ability to get high and fast um, in any airplane allows you to shoot missiles further, uh, which obviously increases your offensive potential. So uh, it's got a huge radar up front. So that, that thing is phenomenal. And um, the, the ability to put that airplane where you want it to go and be able to employ weapons uh, before anybody else can based on the the capabilities in terms of altitude and speed uh was great and um like i said getting up there in the you know in the higher altitudes it handles like a cadillac it's very smooth uh but then you know when you want to turn and get into a dogfight it's very very maneuverable uh and what i like about the eagle a lot is that when you're fighting other airplanes uh the f-15 buffets a lot so as the as the you know as you increase the g and like kind of the the buffet or the uh the angle of attack increase in the airplane you'll start feeling these like kind of shaking vibrations of the airplane and it'll increase intensity as you increase the angle of attack, um, and and what's really nice about that airplane is that the way you know the way that airplane flies and designed, uh, it's a pretty much you know it'll constantly increase. You what's really nice when you're flying and fighting against other airplanes, it's kind of a visual arena, kind of that dogfighting kind of scenario. Um, you can truly feel 
the airplane and how it's performing and how it's handling. And you, you just intuitively know based on experience of flying that specific airplane, uh, how you're doing and how it's, how it's responding to what you're asking it for, you know, asking of it. Um, so I, I love the airplane. It's a great airplane and they've continued. I mean, it's an older airplane. Obviously it was, uh, some of the airplanes that flew in the F-15 were, you know, built in the seventies and eighties. And, um, you know, but they've, what they've done is they've continued to increase the, uh, software and hardware components of that airplane. So the air, the airframe itself is, is structurally, um, an older airplane, but in terms of the components, the hardware, the software, the weapons, uh, they continue to upgrade those. And, uh, I think it's still an incredibly formidable airplane, uh, against anything out there. It's, uh, obviously not stealthy. It doesn't have the performance the Raptor has. Uh, but I mean, I think the Eagle is still a phenomenal airplane and, and very relevant still. Yeah. So do you have any memorable stories from flying the Eagle? Yeah, actually. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure you got plenty, but uh, maybe a couple. Yeah, I've got, got heaps of stories. Um, <laughs> but, um, yeah, I think one of the really cool, like one of those memories, I think all of us have these things in our life where we, we experience something and that image gets burned in our brain. And we'll never forget that image, you know, until we die. And um, one of the most memorable experiences I ever had in the Eagle was actually my third high aspect ride. Um, so basically a dogfighting ride where you, you know, instead of having somebody start off offensive, start off defensive, you basically start off neutral. Um, and that's how you begin the fight. So it's still a part test training kind of mission, but you're starting off neutral instead of having, having anybody have a specific advantage. And uh, this is my third high aspect ride in the F-15 uh, school. And at the time, uh, my instructor pilot was the highest time F-15 pilot in the Air Force. So he had wow. the most amount of hours, the most amount of experience uh, of any other pilot in the Air Force. And I probably at the time had the least, if not close to the least amount of experience and hours um, in the F-15 in the Air Force. So we got there and fly, and it was one of those dusk sorties. So we're out there, and we get into a tree, which essentially means that we have, you know, slowed the fight down dramatically. We're basically, you know, if we look at it from the side perspective, we're basically doing this. We're fighting for advantage, like you know, mm-hmm. positional cheer. The airplane's very slow. We're both in afterburner. So with the sun going down, and you see his his two afterburner, you know, you see the flames come out the wow. back end of his plane. And I'm just like, holy cow! I take <laughs> I take a second to think about this. I'm like, I'm the youngest eel driver in the air force and that is the oldest eagle driver in the air force and here we are fighting with two f-15s on an absolutely stunning night or evening um it was just incredible you know and and got i got to learn so much from him um and uh, it was just you know that was one of those images that'll never never leave my brain absolutely so how long did you spend on the eagle i started in august uh, of 2010 and then i left in may of 2014 or june of 2014 so how many hours did you get on the jet uh, it was about 500 hours. Not bad, not bad. But we're here to talk about the the Raptor, obviously. Yeah, what an incredible jet. But uh, yeah, how? What were your first thoughts on the aircraft? Um, there's some some funny, like just uh, I guess ergonomic things that are different. So the F-15 is a center stick, and the Raptor is a side stick. Um, so it's funny because like when you're when you're flying and your hands are in the controls, it's not a big deal. But when you're taxiing around, you know the uh, most fighter jets have a, a little button on the no, on the uh, the stick that basically controls the nose wheel steering. So you push that, and it allows you to turn, yep. you know, sharper angles on the ground, taxi around. So if you're taxiing around, your hands are off the controls for the first like I'd probably say ten to twenty sorties in the Raptor. Um, if I wasn't thinking about it, I would instinctually just grab for the center stick, and there's nothing there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was like, oh, oh shoot, I gotta go over here. But yeah. uh, you know, there's some funny like just ergonomic things like that about the F-22 that are different than the Eagle. Um, but uh, I think the biggest things that I noticed about the F-22 is that just the performance is insane. You know, like one, the, I guess the most visible thing to you is that 
Uh, it's a single piece canopy. So the F-15 has a canopy bow, yeah. much like the F-35 or F-18, they have canopy bows. So there's something that's there in your kind of, in your sight line. Uh, in the F-22, there's nothing. It's just one piece canopy. So you have unobstructed views all around and that's gorgeous. Like it's just a, an amazing office view. You can't really, you know, like people talk about their high rises and corner offices and like, this is the coolest office ever. Um, so that was, that was cool to see. And then the performance is just, uh, it's amazing. You know, how fast the jet accelerates, how fast it slows down, it's turn performance. Um, all those things are just really incredible in the airplane. You know, I've gone to, you know, very, very high altitudes, very high speeds, and the airplane just wants to keep going faster and higher. It's, it's unreal. It's like a rocket ship. And we'll get into a few details later on, but uh, maybe you can share with our viewers uh, what the role of the F-22 is with the USAF. So the F-22 is primarily designed as an air-to-air fighter. It replaced the F-15C uh, in that role, or it's taking you know, to go for the F-15C in that role. So our job primarily is to go kill bad guy airplanes and uh, basically control the airspace. So what that allows for, you know, in two different ways, I think of, you know, whether you're, uh, I like to relate a lot of things to sports because I think it's very tangible, very easy to understand. And if you're, you know, if you're on the football pitch and you have, you know, you have uh, people that are playing forward, the play, people playing defense, and they're playing different roles. Like we have offense and defense roles there and the f-22 does the same exact thing in air to air so there are times we're playing defense where we're protecting something it could be you know a city it could be the coastline if you've ever seen articles of you know russian bombers uh Mm -hmm. flying near the coast of alaska you know we're protecting our coastline we're protecting our airspace and i've done that multiple times as well um so we're doing a defensive kind of posture in terms of what we're using the airplane for but making sure that no bad guy airplanes uh get good guy land if that makes sense to, to oversimplify it um and then on the offensive side uh, we can have the ability to carry bombs as well. So we can escort ourselves into areas, drop weapons, hit targets and escort ourselves back oh, out. So we have the ability that. to do both of those. Yeah. We can carry a combination of different GPS guided weapons. Um, so we can use those. Uh, and obviously with an F-22, it's a stealthy airplane. So we can get into places that other airplanes, you know, physically can't based off whether it's, you know, surface air missiles, air to air, uh, or anti-aircraft artillery, whatever it happens to be, we can get into a lot of places that other airplanes can't. Um, so that's really unique. But then also the more traditional sense, if we think of, you know, we think of like Spitfires or Mustangs in World War II and what they were doing, escorting bombers, uh, et cetera, same kind of role. So our, our primary offensive mindset, our mission set for the F-22 would be escorting other people in. So whether there are other fighters, you know, I've, I've been deployed in the Middle East a couple times now and and we've I've, I've flown missions with the RAF, the RAAF, um, our RAAF, uh, and then uh, the the um, the French Air Force, along with uh, Marines, all, all you know, all sorts of branches and other countries as well. And um, you know, we've primarily did a role of escorting them into certain areas. You know, and, and in the Middle East, there are a lot of tensions, a lot of uncertainty, and who owns what and who's where and whatnot. So having a Raptor there to have that information because the F-22, you know, I, I guess I would just equate it to a flying computer. There are sensors all around the airplane. They give you information in the cockpit in a very easy to understand kind of color coded display. So. Um, being able to get all that information from around the battle space and see it in a very clear, you know, clear picture in the cockpit and be able to make decisions for the overall force package, uh, is, is huge, you know, and, and having, uh, that, you know, that protective blanket, if you will, of F-22s in the sky is, is really nice, not only for other airplanes, but also people on the ground, you know, and, um, there, there were times where, you know, there were Syrian fighters out there or, or whoever it happened to be, um, and having airplanes that are designed to keep them away from ground forces, you know, coalition ground forces, is really important. So um, that's kind of our traditional role in terms of air-to-air, both on the defensive and offensive side. Mm-hmm. So, like, let's talk a bit about your ground training. Was it? How did it feel coming from the F-15? Because I'm guessing it was 
a quantum leap or almost in like technology wise? It definitely, you know, changed a lot in terms of technology. Um, so the F-15 and most fighters, you know, the F-18, F-16, F-15, um, at least in the, in the USAF or the U.S. side, most of those airplanes have sensors, whether it's a radar, you know, defensive systems, whatever it is. They all have their own individual screen that you know, provides information to you. And then you're taking that information and kind of running it through your brain and figuring out, okay, if I compile all this information, what is it telling me about everything that's happening around me? Um, and that, you know, that takes one, it takes time. It takes experience to understand what's important, what's not important at what time uh, and process all those things in, in a matter of seconds. Um, so what was really nice about the F-22 is that it takes, you know, all this information from different sensors and puts it on, you know, one easy to understand display. So it's very intuitive in that way, which I liked a lot because it allows you to start thinking more about the greater context of, of how you fit in this puzzle of the, con- of the mm-hmm. conflict or the, the scenario, uh, whether it's training or combat. Um, so it kind of just frees up some brain space to think about, you know, more things and stay ahead of a lot of things that are changing in a, in a rapid fashion. So I like that a lot. Um, and in terms of the transition, you know, having flown the F-15 for about 500 hours or so, um, I'd already flown a, a, I would argue, a very, very high-performance fighter. Um, I mean, the F-15 is phenomenal. So it wasn't as much of a shock to me as I would say the brand-new pilots who come around at pilot training. You know, they yes, come out of pilot yes. course and they go from T-38 to F-22. That, I mean, that is, a, like you alluded to, that, I mean, that's a quantum leap. You know, you're talking about a massive, uh, massive change in capabilities um, and all these things. But I had already, you know, flown the F-15 for about four years and had done a bunch of bunch of training, a bunch of other, you know, uh, things in the F-15. So when I went to, I took that experience and transferred over to F-22. And um, I think that made the transition much easier than, like I said, going straight from pilot's course to, to F-22s. Yeah, because I guess the new guys coming in is like the T-38 T thirty eight straight to a like a, almost like a spaceship. It must be like yeah. Up and in, guys. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah, like um, obviously it's been a, obviously being a single seat aircraft. Was the simulator a big thing for you guys? It is. I think the simulator is a great resource. Um, you know, there are limitations to the simulator. Obviously, you know, with a uh, a very maneuverable fighter like F twenty two, it's not going to you know be a full motion simulator. You're not going to be flipping around and do all those things. I mean, I think just the hydraulic, you know hydraulics and actuators all those things would be yeah, yeah. Uh, insanely expensive but um i think it's really great for habituating uh things whether you know emergency procedure training whether it's certain tactics or just the the hands-on thrall and stick the hotas and the buttons we work to manipulate screens and displays i think you know it's going back to sports you know there are people that you know talk about sports and say i'm not going to practice till i can get it right i'm going to practice till i can't get it wrong and i think that's what the simulator's for you know i'm going to keep practicing in the simulator to my hands like a my hands, my brain, what I see in the displays, it's just an extension of what I want to use the airplane for. And, and that's the way I look at it. You know, if, I'm, if I want to go fly airplanes for fun, I would probably take a backcountry airplane, flying through the mountains and landing on some grass strips somewhere, you know, and like go hunting or fishing. Like that to me is a blast. Mm-hmm. Um, but I use the F-22 as a weapon. And that's, you know, obviously in the air show, it's a little different. But uh, in my mind, fighter aircraft are, are weapons. And I want to be able to get to a level of proficiency that I'm using that airplane as an extension of myself. I'm using it to further whatever objectives we're going after that day. Um, I think that's what the simulator is really good for is it just it habituates those patterns. Um, so when you are, when it is, you know, miserably hot, miserably cold, it's, you know, it's dark, it's whatever it is, your systems start breaking in the airplane. Like you can sort through all that and still be able to get your job done, uh, in the airplane because you've just gone through it so many times that it becomes second nature to you. And I think that's what the simulator really, that's what really shines. I think. Absolutely. 
And I want to talk about your first flight. What was it like kicking them reheats or afterburners for the first time? That yeah. must have been amazing. Yeah, it was, it was it was awesome. You know, there's no drag on the airplane. There was very little drag. It's just uh, all just, uh, you know, induced drag from the airplane itself. But uh, there's nothing hanging on the wing. So, you know, the airplane you fly is the airplane you're flying to combat. And um, the F-15 would fly with, you know, pylons for weapons. We would fly like strong gas tanks and all those things. And that all is going to increase the the parasitic drag on the airplane, which slows it down, obviously, and acceleration slows down, all those things. The F-22, I mean, it, it produces more thrust than it weighs. Even with a full combat load of gas and weapons, it still produces more thrust than it weighs. Wow. Um, wow. Yeah. So taking off an afterburner for the first time, you're just like, this is happening really fast, and it's awesome. <laughs> yeah, so how did it compare to the F-15? Was there a massive difference? Uh, I think if you, if you take all the... All the things, all the external components of the F-15 off the airplane. If you were clean, yeah. If you were clean, you know, I think it'd be somewhat comparable. I think the F-22 would still have an advantage, but I think it'd be somewhat comparable. But then you start putting it into a combat configuration. That's that's one thing that I, I think people don't realize, you know, when they watch videos of air shows. Um, that's one thing we talk about a lot because you watch airplanes from other countries and they're doing some amazing cool backflips and cartwheels and all this stuff. And you're like, that's cool. But you are completely cleaned off. You have nothing in the airplane and you're taking off with less fuel weight, so you're reducing your gross weight, uh, which then increase your your performance. You know, so they're doing all these things to make the air, sh- air show airplane look really cool, and that's awesome. Uh, what I like to highlight those definitely too is like we, we we don't change the airplane. I don't even have my own, I don't even own my own airplanes. I borrow airplanes from the squadrons yeah. uh, for the shows, and um, whatever jets available that weekend is the jet I'm taking for the air show. So we truly take a combat ready airplane and don't modify mm-hmm. it. Obviously, we're not going to fly with bombs or missiles or any of that stuff but we don't change the fuel weight we don't do anything to the airplane structurally to decrease weight we just fly a normal combat airplane uh, at displays and and what you're seeing is a ready-to-go airplane which is awesome uh, so yeah can you talk us through your flying training and the stages uh, you go through because obviously it's a single seat like how how does that work for the f-22 the, the f-22 training for the the student pilots uh is a lot more robust in terms of simulators and flying uh, they do a lot more of that since they don't have a two-seat version and um, for me, when I switched over, I think I did a total of like 11 flights. In F- I think it was like 12 sims and 11 flights in F-22 before I was like out of the course and off to the squadron, um, just based on my previous experience. And um, But the, the brand new pilots will get uh, significantly more time in the simulators before flying. They'll also, you know, it's kind of like a, qu- a crawl, walk, run approach where mm-hmm. they will go to the simulators, do the academics, all those things. They'll go out to the airplane, they'll start it up for the first time. They'll understand how to start it up shut down so they hear all the the sounds and the creaks and the noises and the systems and they see all that stuff you know they kind of get that that sensory piece of it and then they'll shut down come back inside talk about all the things that you know they did and and whatever else and then they'll go fly it when they fly it for the first time they're flying with an instructor pilot in another airplane so we'll be you know they'll be flying their airplane the instructor pilot or ip will be in the other airplane they'll fly out there and they'll kind of guide them through that whole uh process so that's how we kind of get around the, the single seat only uh, piece of the F-22 and the F-35 is much similar or very similar to that. So how did you get used to the cockpit and this new radar? Like I said before, it was a quantum leap. Was it like a massive quantum leap in terms of cockpit space? The F-15 cockpit is actually a little bit bigger than the F-22 cockpit. Um, okay. So it's, it is a little bit bigger, um, but at the same time, it's, uh, you know, the F-22, F-22 cockpit is very comfortable. Um, I, you know, I haven't, I haven't really found a time where I'm like, man, this is cramped. It's so <laughs> nice, you know, especially yeah. on the long missions. I've flown, I've flown close to 12 hours, um, you know, in F-22. And, uh, yeah, that's, I mean, 
it doesn't matter what airplane you fly in, it's going to be uncomfortable um, at the you know, 12 hour mark. So, uh, but there, there's plenty of space. You know, I'd have, have little little pockets put snacks and water. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah. Not, so, yeah. So, yeah, Cabo, what is the loadout uh, capability of the jets? Like, what would you carry on a full load? Uh, so, if we're doing an air to air mission, we would carry uh, six long range radar missiles and we'd carry two heat seeking missiles and we'd have the, the gun as well. Um, and then, if we're going to carry, you know, uh, bombs, we can kind of mix up the. We basically are trading off some of the long range radar missiles for the uh, bomb stations to either put, you know, um, the larger GPS weapons, or we have we carry small diameter bombs as well, which are about 250 pounds, and they have little mm-hmm. fins on top. So you actually kick them out of the belly of the airplane, and they open the fins up and glide to the target. Um, so we can kind of vary that up quite a bit. Uh, but we we're typically always going to carry those heat-seeking missiles, and then the gun, obviously, uh, and then the internal portion of like the main weapons bays are going to going to vary based on mission set. But for an air-to-air, it's going to be six uh, six AMRAMs, so like the long-range radar missiles. Yeah, so like my my ignorance here, I, like, I never knew the F twenty two carried air to ground ordnance. When did this? Oh, come no in? Was it was it all the way from the start, or is this a new thing? It was not initially designed with air to ground weapons, uh, and then uh, over time they basically added that to increase the flexibility of what the airplane can do. Um, and, and that primarily is you know driven through the fact that we can get to places other, other airplanes can't. You know, the F thirty five has obviously come out uh, you know the last couple of years, and it can do a lot of similar things. Um, but it's primarily designed as an air-to-ground platform, not as much of an air-to-air platform. Mm-hmm. But until that airplane came out, there was really nothing that could get into, um, you know, into areas um, undetected and then deliver weapons uh, to target. So that was one of those, at least fighter aircraft. Obviously, we have the B-2, we have other airplanes like that. But um, for fighter aircraft, there really wasn't anything out there. So um, they added that just to increase the, the mission sets and what we're capable of doing uh, for those reasons. So did you have, uh, get the chance to fire live weapons or, dr- or drop live bombs even in practice? Yeah, I've dropped, uh, I've dropped live weapons uh, in practice and in combat, uh, shot missiles in, in practice as well. Uh, we have not, like, there, there hasn't been much air-to-air combat in terms of actually shooting airplanes down um, in, in quite a while, which, you know, I, people look at that and I, I kind of see it as a double-edged sword. You know, I, it's like... Uh, it's like being a footballer and, and being on the bench your entire career, right? You're like, yeah. man, I really, I want to, I, I want to get play. out there. <laughs> yeah. You know? Um, so there's, there's that element of it, but it's also like, I kind of temper that with, a, I understand like the reason we exist is to deescalate things and to not get to the point where we're actually using these airplanes for their intended purpose. You know? And if we're, if I'm using a Raptor to go kill airplanes, um, things have probably gone awry, uh, somewhere. In terms of like the diplomacy piece, the whatever leverage we can use with uh, international politics and and whatnot, like things have gone awry, and I'm using this airplane as a weapon now. And um, to use a 160 million dollar airplane uh, as a weapon, it's kind of a it's a pretty big pretty big statement, you know. Absolutely. So, um, you know, in, in terms of air to air, so in that regard, like it, it's a double it's double edged sword. You know, I'm, I'm thankful that obviously we were able to use this airplane to avoid conflicts and you'd be surprised, you know, in terms of just foreign policy, uh, putting F-22s or squadron F-22s somewhere strategic has imp- implications that hopefully deescalate, uh, scenarios. And that's, that's huge, right? If we can avoid that's conflict, that's all the better. Um, but without a doubt, like this airplane, I, I have no problem taking this airplane in the skies against anything out there, no matter where, what country it's from, no matter what generation it's, it is. Like I'm not, I just, I'm very confident in the Raptor uh, because the airplane is, is awesome. So let's get into uh, to the strengths and weaknesses of the aircraft. 
Um, yeah. So the strengths, I mean, the, you know, the strengths, the sensors are incredible. And like I said, it's not just, um, uh, it's the whole airplane has sensors all around it and it feeds in the cockpit, which is great. So that's really nice. Um, like I said, the ability for it to get higher and faster than anything else we own is really nice because just like, you know, if I were to take a baseball and, you know, throw it from a standstill versus driving 80 miles an hour in a car and then yeah. like it's gonna go further. Right. So if I, if I get higher and faster, I'm going to shoot missiles further. I'm going to drop bombs further so that, you know, those weapons combined with a platform of the 22 that can go higher and faster than anything else out there is, uh, is great. So I love that about it. The flight controls are incredible. Um, as you've seen, you know, in terms of air show videos and whatnot, the airplane does, it does backflips. It's awesome. Um, so it, it can really do, uh, whatever I ask it to do, which is, which is awesome. So the maneuverability, the, the capability of it and the sensors are, are really amazing. And then when you, when you add stealth to that, um, it's, you know, I, when I, I go to, I'll go to school visits and talk to, you know, talk to kids about airplanes and you try to put it in the most simplistic terms as you can, because you want them to understand, and you're like, Hey, imagine, imagine being like, you know, a ninja running around in the dark, throwing like throwing stars at people and like, just like picking people off, you know, like, one, <laughs> yeah. brilliant. And they have no idea you're there. Yeah. You know, you're there. You're like, yeah, you're playing 95% offense and about 5% defense. And that's what an F-22 is, you know, and if it's employed properly, uh, that's, that's what it is. And, and that's, that's a huge strength. The F-22 when you add the stealth component to, um, so the other things we already discussed in terms of weaknesses, uh, I think it's, it's probably a common weakness, uh, for every fighter jet out there, you know, like I, we always wish call. we had more. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, it's, it's a big airplane, but when you, when an FAD is pointing at you, unless you know where to look, it's very difficult to see. Uh, it's very like on the ground with the doors open, it looks pretty wide, but once yeah. it's in the air with gear up, it's very, very flat. Um, yeah. and it's hard to see if it's pointing at you. So, um, I, I think the, the biggest thing that, all fighter pilots would probably ask for is I want more gas. I want more weapons. I want more, you know, like all, all the things that allow you to, to do more stuff. Um, that's always, you know, always, um, uh, a thing we ask for and, um, and they're working hard to, to fix those problems or try to make it better. But, uh, those are things I'd probably say, you know, in terms of improvements or things that I wish that we could do better. is just like, yeah, I want, I want more gas, I want more weapons, I want better weapons. You know, like uh, th- those are things that every fighter pilot, I think we universally say, yeah, but the difference is the most uh, the guys I talk to is more. Um, I want more thrust, but you've got the most thrust in the world, so like you can't complain on that sense. <laughs> I mean, I'll always say I'll take more. Ah, for yeah. Sure. <laughs> but yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, it's it's the engines are great. So yeah, um, on a side note here, like, how did you uh, get used to coming from a center stick to a side stick? Was it like, did it feel natural? It took a couple couple flights, like I mentioned, you know, a couple times around, like for the center stick and it wasn't there but uh beyond that i mean I, I, it's very intuitive you know i almost feel like you're sitting in a reclining chair where you're just sitting there you're, there's a little elbow rest as well that kind of swivels out so if you okay. want to use that rest your elbow on it and your hands right there and you're basically just manipulating the controls and the weapons and sensors and and displays off your fingertips and that's really nice so it's, it's just it's very intuitive um to operate which is nice and yeah, I'm going to talk about DACT. We talked about it earlier, but you're going to have to tell me how it fared against the F-15, the F-18, you know, even Typhoon. How did it fare? Yeah, I think and that's that really does going to depend on uh, what what sphere we're talking about. So if we're talking about beyond visual range, where you're like you know very far away from other people, then the F-22 is just incredible. Like there's you know it just does amazing work. Um, you know, but when we get into the within visual range, the the F-22, is a, it's, it is a very remarkable airplane. Um, and when you get into that within visual range, if employed properly, like it, I think it's the best airplane out there. Um, but, you know, it's it's still 
it's like everything else in life. If I take a brand, brand new F-22 pilot and F-22 and I put them against, you know, a very, very seasoned or experienced Typhoon pilot or a fall pilot, an F-15 pilot, you know, pick an airplane out there. If, if somebody knows how to employ their airplane incredibly effectively um, and I give them a brand, brand new F-22 pilot and F-22, like you have the most amazing airplane in the world, but if you don't have the experience or background to support that or understand yeah. how that airplane works to its fullest and, and truest potential, um, then that airplane's going to lose, you know, simple as that. So that's why we, that's why we spend a lot of time training and getting our young guys experience because we're trying to build that experience. They can use this airplane for what it was designed to do. Um, so I guess, that's, I mean, that's not, that's not a black and white concrete answer for you, but I would say that, you know, beyond visual range, the airplane makes up for a ton. And even in the visual, within visual range, uh, it makes up for a ton of errors, mistakes of inexperience, et cetera. But, uh, at some point there is still a breaking point of like, it's not like there's no button that you like hit magic button, you know, yeah, like, yeah. Oh, Raptor, Raptor wins. Um, so the, you know, the, the experience level in a, in a very capable fighter, like a typhoon or a fall or Eagle, um, those airplanes are going to do really well, uh, with a very experienced pilot and a very inexperienced Raptor pilot. So it's almost like you're fighting the pilot in a way. For sure. You know, and, and you know, when I, when I look at this, I guess a, a different way to think about it or, or describe it is when I look at the F-15, in order to pick the best F-15 pilot in the squadron and the worst F-15 pilot in the squadron, that the the difference between those two is massive. Like the spread for those two is yeah. huge. Um, whereas in the F-22, I'd say the, the difference between the best and worst pilot in the squadron is much more narrow because the airplane makes up for a lot. So you can you can do a lot of things and, and make up for a lot of mistakes or exploit a lot of things in the F-22 um, without having the experience. So you know, the, the pilot component is, is reduced in F-22 because you have an amazing platform to start with. Uh, whereas you need to have that experience. You need to understand the airplane works really well to fly an F-15 really well or a typhoon or a fall or uh, pick an airplane. Yeah. Yeah. I want to talk about uh, thrust vectoring because it's amazing. Well, we'll get onto the airshow part later on, but uh, what's it like to have? And is it like automatic or is there, is there a switch where you can take it off? Uh, it's all automatic and uh, it's all run through the flight control system. So when I fly the airplane, you're familiar with, uh, with flat out wire. Um, and, um, I, you know, I'm basically pulling back on the stick and saying, I want to go up, uh, or push forward and go down or roll left or right. And I'm basically just asking the airplane, this is what I want to do. And that's going to figure out what combination of flight controls it's going to give me to create the effect I'm asking for. And that effect could come, you know, as a combination of flight controls, it could come, could come, or come as a combination of the thrust vectoring, it really depends on my airspeed, my altitude, my angle of attack, my side slip. All those things go into um, what combination of flight controls I'm going to get, uh, and that's just part of the whole, like the holistic system of flight controls. Yeah, and um, earlier you mentioned, yeah, you've flown with you know many air forces, but uh, can you maybe share a few stories of uh, like flying on large exercises like Red Flag if you have flown it on Maple Flag? Yeah, um, so uh, in those scenarios, we. You know, we primarily just do our air-to-air -air mission, which is uh, escorting people in or defending areas. And what's really nice about that is, like I said, the F-22 F or the F-15, for that matter, it can get, you know, very high, high altitudes and we hang out there. So when you, when you start putting, you know, 60, 70, 80, 90, 100 airplanes in the same piece of sky, yeah. it gets very, you know, complex, right? Uh, and there are a lot of things that are happening. So the ability for you to be up in, like, you know, the 40s and 50,000-foot block and everybody's below you, it's really comforting, you know, yeah, especially yeah. <laughs> at nighttime when you see like the, you see their, their anti-collision lights blinking and you're like, you see all these airplanes crisscrossing below. You're like, that looks dangerous down there. Oh, I'm going to hang out of here. <laughs> I'm going to, yeah, I'm so, staying here. 
Yeah. Uh, so that's, that's really nice. And with the sensors, you, you do have a, an amazing picture of what's happening out in front of you. So you just have a lot more information. I remember the first time I flew uh, in a large force exercise, the F-15, you know, is like you jump in, you're like, holy cow, there's a lot of stuff. And you're overwhelmed uh, easily with all the information that's happening and what's happening with the communications, and the radios, all, all those things. Um, the F-22, I think it, it kind of um, it tones that down a little bit because you have a lot more information and, um, and it allows you to process things a little bit better and faster. So, yeah, I want to talk a bit about uh, flying in Alaska. What's it like flying there and also living there? It must be, like, quite strange coming from the U.S. and then you go into this, well, I know it's the U.S., but, like, this frozen plane almost. Flying and living in Alaska is the best ever. Like, I, oh, really? it, I, would, I would live there forever, honestly. Uh, it's incredible. Wow. So, um, yeah, I guess I've, I've not been, so I'm just making a, uh anecdotal comparison between the two, but I would imagine it's probably, like, living in, in Oslo or somewhere in Scandinavia, you know, it's, you have these amazing glaciers and fjords and you have this amazing, yeah. you know, very dramatic landscape flying through there is incredible. Um, and, uh, in the summertime, it's, it's really nice. You know, I've, I've a buddy of mine, I've had a couple friends of mine that went to, uh, they were in the Norwegian air force that went back and were flying F 16s there. And, you know, we chat every once in a while and, and they'll send a picture like summertime, I'm like, man, it looks like Alaska. It's awesome. Uh, <laughs> you know, and, so I'm, I'm an outdoorsy person. So I love the hiking, the hunting, the camping, the fishing. I, I love all those things. So Alaska is like the ultimate, ultimate playground for those, uh, those th- things. And like I said, flying there when you, you know, actually somebody asked me a question recently about, you know, do you feel like a, do you feel like a king when you're flying F-22, you know, in the skies? I'm like, actually it's complete, like the complete opposite. I feel, um, I, I almost, you know, you get a sense of how small we are and how small yes. our piece of the puzzle is in the world. Um, so it gives you a lot of perspective and when you're flying around these epic landscapes and you see these mountains and you're like, you see animals and you see all this stuff and you're like, holy cow, all the things that we worry about and the stressors in our lives and all those things like are so insignificant, you know, in the greater context. So I really love that aspect of flying up there because it just gives you a sense of uh, freedom. It gives you a sense of perspective that you, you know, I don't, you know, I haven't gotten in other places. Um, there's just this vastness about it that just, I don't know, it's a very introspective uh, kind of feeling, and I love it. It's great. Is it still F-15s uh, there as well as all? Is it exclusive F-22s now? Just F-22s now. Yep. Oh, nice one. So there used to, yeah, there used to be an F-15C squadron. There used to be an F-15E strike fuel squadron there, and and um, the F-15E squadron is now an F-22 squadron, and then the F-15 squadron is now an F-22 squadron as well. Mm-hmm.